jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. Phone lines open for the first hour. We will speak with Lucas Favalli, play-by-play man for the Syracuse Crunch at the top of hour number two. The Crunch in Rochester for game number two of the regular season. And, of course, the uh, home opener set for Saturday at the new and improved War Memorial. So we can certainly talk some SU football and basketball. We will get to the Crunch later in the show. But we begin with baseball and the New York Yankees. The season is over, and it, it's it's tough for Yankee fans to swallow today, Seth, because everything we talked about coming out of Game 3, it's almost like we saw an instant replay in Game 4, other than the fact that the final score and the final margin was not the same. But the way the beginning of the game played out, it's frustrating. We said yesterday, well, Aaron Boone is definitely going to have a quick hook tonight with CC Sabathia. As soon as he gets in trouble in, I don't know, say the third inning, he'll go to the bullpen because the bullpen is rested. Best bullpen in baseball, arguably. And we saw the night before, he left Luis Severino in a couple batters, two, three batters too long, and the thing got out of hand and, and Boston had the, the big victory. He's going to have a quick hook tonight. What happened? He got into some trouble in the third inning. After he ran into some trouble, certainly in the first inning, worked his way around a walk in the second inning, but ran into trouble in the third, and Aaron Boone waited way too long to make the move. Boston takes the 3-0 lead, and that was the difference. Yeah, and and I think that that was the the frustrating part watching, is that it was the exact same thing as what had happened the previous night. You know, CeCe works out of trouble in the first, works out of, you know, didn't really have trouble in the second, but works through it. And then, you know, by the time Yankees on deck rolled around yesterday, uh, Matt Matt and I are talking on that show about, okay, you can't let CeCe get a second crack at Steve Pierce and J.D. Martinez because that's the that's the real trouble spot of the lineup for the Boston Red Sox and for CeCe Sabathia. Steve Pierce had some great. J.D. Martinez is an MVP candidate. You can't let him get that spot in the lineup twice. And so when he hits Andrew Benintendi, I, almost, I, I understand leaving him in for Benintendi, lefty-lefty matchup, you like that, fine, whatever. Once he hits Andrew Benintendi, you've got to get him out of the game. And I guess what you're thinking is, well, there was some really weak contact. It was walks. It was a, a little ground ball to the wrong side of the shift. It was a, a, a you know a bloop into center field. Like, okay, fine, we can we can deal with all of this. And then you get a sacrifice fly. You're thinking, cool, we're we're feeling good about this. You know, Bogarts grounds out. You're you're feeling all right. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know. Ian Kinsler uh, hits a ball into left field that Brett Gardner misplays. Eduardo Nunez hits a a hot shot through the left side, and you're down 3-0. 
And all of a sudden you go from, hey, he only let up soft contact to, no, he got rocked on two straight batters and it and it really uh, created some issues. And, and I, I guess the thing that surprises me is given that it had just happened the night before, how you could possibly let the same thing happen again. How could you possibly let him go five or six batters too long when you literally had this problem last night? And that's the thing that bothers me more so than even the fact that it, it happened, is that you're not even learning from what you did, right? I, I know that you know when, when you're a kid, if you do something wrong, you're going to get in trouble. And then you go back the next day or two days later and you do the same thing, you're going to get in more trouble. Right, you're going to your parents are going to be more angry at you for going back and doing the same thing that you just did two days earlier. And I think that that's how Yankee fans feel about Aaron Boone right now. You had just done this same exact thing one night earlier. How did you not act differently when faced with the same situation? And here's the thing: with all due respect to you and Matt Michael, and I know that you both know a ton about the Yankees. I absolutely like you guys know more about the Yankees than than anybody in this town. But if you know it, then Aaron Everybody Boone knows and it. the Yankees yes. know it. No, then, that's my point. Right. Like if, if we're sitting here and we've only watched the games on TV all season long and are not in the building, not with the team, not not you know getting any of the advanced metrics, if we know it, everybody knows it. So that's number one. Okay, that that is inexcusable. The 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 thing that probably bothers me the most about how that game was managed last night and the night before, frankly. But more so last night because it just happened the night before, is that no one was up warming up. Exactly. Like it's not like CC Cruz through the first two innings. And and you're right, soft contact, but he did load the bases and he was fortunate to get out. He worked his way around to walk in the second inning. And then he hits the leadoff batter in the third. I guess my question is, and it's somebody a, it's a rhetorical been ready question. Somebody should come in at that moment. Right, but no, you just said you should, should have somebody ready. Nobody was even up. Nobody was right. even warming up at that I know. point. So... You know, if the plan was, and you and I talked about this, and I'm sure you and Matt Michael talked about it last night as well, that the first sign of trouble in, say, and we said this verbatim yesterday, the first sign of trouble, I don't know, in, say, the third inning, they better be ready to go to somebody, and they were not ready because no one was warming up. And yeah. after the same thing happened the night before, I don't know how that happens. Even if, you know, and, and oh, by the way, five righty batters in a row, so you're, you're reaching that point in the lineup where it would be wise to make a move, but even if he had a gut feeling about, well, you know, I just, I, I want to give CC one more guy. Like, we can debate the decision to leave him in. What cannot be debated is that someone should have been warming up so that you could go to him if if needed. Right. And, and they needed him, and by the time they were ready to go to somebody, the damage had been done. And, the you know, I don't want to say the game was over at that point because, it you it know, it's, it's early but, in the game. But as it played out, that inning is what decided the outcome. Yeah, and, and ultimately, ultimately what you had to have was you had to have somebody warming up before Steve Pierce got to the plate, which you didn't have. You Correct. Didn't have, you didn't have David Robertson warming up until J.D. Martinez got to the plate after Pierce did a single. And and that's the thing that, that you look at and you're like, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That That's the thing that's really head-scratching. And I, I think that yesterday afternoon when we were ta- doing doing the show, I think that I could have I talked myself into, okay, two times through the order. Like, I, I think that that's kind of where I was. All right, you're hoping for three, four innings out of CC Sabathia two times through the order but uh, I guess my point is and, and how kind of my mindset changed by the time it got to six o'clock and I'm talking with Matt on Yankees on deck by the time it got there I was like no you're letting him go 11 batters 
and and like you've got to know hey here's the cutoff point here's the here's the point where you say okay no more unless like he's cruising but he was unless, not cruising well, right well unless he's cruising and you had a five nothing lead which you didn't didn't have so either. so right so neither was happening so it didn't make sense to leave him in it wasn't easy for him you hadn't scored yet and yeah it's it's just another game where it feels like a managerial decision let it slip away the game on on monday night it got out of hand because of managerial decisions. At least they went with the top bullpen guys this time. And yeah, Britain gave up the home run, but I take my chances with those guys over Lance Lynn and, and Jonathan Holder and Chad Green. And at least they kept it in check to the point where you had a rally in the ninth. But it, it feels like it could have been even easier to get that rally and get that win had they just done a couple things different. You got to manage differently in the postseason than you do during the regular season. This is not and he you know, July second in Milwaukee. I mean, this is it, it's it's a do or die game. You need to win in order to extend your season. And I get that you normally wouldn't get someone up after the second inning, you know, while you're batting in the bottom of the second and get somebody ready just in case because you know the top of the lineup's coming up again and and you know what that means. He's going to face it a second time. There's five righty batters in a row. If we run into trouble, we need to have someone ready. You wouldn't do that on July 2nd in Milwaukee, but with the season on the line, you might want to get somebody up, especially when you were burned the night before. Well, and that's the biggest key here, and that's the biggest thing when you're talking about Aaron Boone. You said you have to manage differently in the postseason, and it, and it didn't seem like he did. No, he well, didn't. Especially once they got back home. Now, in the first couple of games, in the game against Oakland, I thought he managed that game really well. In the game at Boston, you know, that they won on Saturday night, I thought they, that he managed that game really well. But once they got back to Yankee Stadium, once they got into a situation where, in theory, they should have been favored to go win two games, and in theory, their offense should have come alive again, and that's the other thing that we haven't talked about yet, is that the offense did nothing against two mediocre, you know, league-average starting pitchers. They did nothing against those two guys. But once they got back home, he reverted back to what he was doing in the regular season, which was, hey, let's just try and keep this close. It's easier to manage with the lead, though. It is, and they got sure off to a you know a fast start. Those two games that they won, they got off to a fast start. And I mean, you look at the wild card game. That wild card game played out perfectly. Exactly I mean, yep. it was you know it was an early lead. It was they you know they got a couple innings uh, out of their starter. They you know the bullpen does its thing. I mean, it it played out perfectly. And I guess when you face some adversity, you got to make some tough decisions. And he was too late, two days in a row, to make a tough decision, or or at least again. The thing that bothers me more than not taking CC out was the fact that there, he couldn't take him out because he didn't have anyone ready. To me, that yes. is inexcusable because at least well, get somebody these, loose. I think of these as the same. I, I think of that as the same equation, and, and maybe I look at it wrong. I, I think those two are connected. Where let he, me ask you this: he though. if if he had if he had gotten somebody up early enough, he's taking CC out of that game. He didn't. He, it it was a. It was just a failure to get any, but to even think that you're going to need that. To me, it almost seems like. Have you seen the movie Anchorman? You know yes. that, that escalated yes. quickly. Yes. Like that's what it seems like to me. That he's sitting there, like not planning ahead, not thinking to himself. Well, if we run into trouble here, two batters from now, like I want to have somebody to go to. It's almost like he waited until it happened, and then it, by the time he reacted, both days it was too late. Things got out of hand. 
you know, very at, quickly, very yes. quickly, things escalated quickly. And then by the time he was ready to make a move and had someone ready to come in the game, the damage had been done. Now, more damage had been done two nights ago than last night. And I get that. But ultimately, that decided the game. And you said, you know, well, you know, the offense was bad. And you're absolutely right. But by and large, these postseason games, these high pressure postseason games, they're usually low scoring. It's usually typically three to two or four to three or, you know, whatever the case may be. You need to limit the opponent's runs because. In high-pressure games, typically, they tend to be low-scoring. When you have two good teams going against each other, right, generally but, they have good pitching. And I and I agree with you, except that the starting pitchers were Nathan Avaldi and Rick Porcello, who are not anything special. I, I don't think anybody would say That's that they That's a fair are, point. I don't think that anybody would say that those guys are, are high-caliber, high-quality starting pitchers. That's the, like, hey, you're facing Chris Sale? Okay, like I, I get it. You're facing Chris Sale, and, and you're not going to get a hit? I get it. You're facing Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, uh, Dallas Keuchel, and, and you're going to struggle to hit? I get it. You're facing Nathan Avaldi and Rick Porcello, and you can't get more than two runs on the board in 17 innings? That is fair, but I will say, because of the way Aaron Boone managed and because damage was done early in these games, to me, it makes it more difficult to swing the bat when you're you know, you're know pressing, right? They were, they were trying to get it all back. Right. Because in both cases, now, two nights ago, the game was over. I mean, they had no chance. So I almost throw that game out the window because you're I was not, gonna say you're the not same coming thing. back you know, down 10. Um but last night, you know, you it's a do or die game and and you're down three nothing like that. And it makes it awfully difficult to swing the bat after. It just does. I mean, it's it does. it's a high pressure situation. Disagree. It it you're pressing, it gives the opposing pitcher confidence that, you know what, I can I can throw strikes. We've got a three run cushion. If this guy hits it out, it's a solo shot, we're still up by two. It it changes the complexion of the game. So when we say, you know, who do we point the finger to? Here's the thing. The Red Sox are the better team. Okay, the better team won this series. But are the Red Sox that much better? You look back on this series, and I get that two of them were one-run games, but they really weren't. I mean, the the, the two games that the Red Sox won by one run – they they didn't really feel like one run games. No, they had big they had big leads. The Sox dominated this series. They did. So the Sox were better, but were they that much better? I didn't think they were coming in. Me neither. So that's why I say someone someone needs to take the blame for why this was such a lopsided series. And to me, Aaron Boone has to take a majority of the blame for this. I think so. I think so because I think that you knew what you were getting into with your starting pitching, and and maybe that's something that you look at Brian Cashman and say that he didn't build a good enough starting rotation, and I think that's a a fair complaint. You know, he didn't build a good enough starting rotation for the postseason, and everybody was worn down, and everybody was, uh, you know, dead. Fine, I I think there's blame there. I think there's blame on on the offensive. Uh, on on the bats for just kind of disappearing, and I think there's a whole lot of blame on Aaron Boone for the way that he managed, particularly those last two games, and making the more importantly than what he did, doing it twice, doing it twice. <laughs> I mean, I I keep coming back to that, the fact that he had I essentially mirroring identical situations, and he messed it up both times, is is just mind blowing to me. It, you is, think, it is for me, too. You would, you would think that when you get a, a, a chance to do something over and you know you messed up the night before, you would think that you would do it differently. I, I would think that just human nature, if you think that something didn't go right, the, didn't go well the night before, and there's no way that Aaron Boone could have possibly thought that Monday night went well, wouldn't you just instinctively do it differently? Instinctively, you go do something differently. And I and I was shocked that they didn't. 
You had Robertson out there, Batances, Britton, Chapman. They all had two extra days of rest. They were all ready to go. Aaron Boone had said the night before that he was going to use them maybe the most they had ever been used before. And he used all of them for two innings plus Chapman for an inning. But my point is, that's four guys there. He runs into trouble in the third inning. Like, you had... You had enough arms. You to had get enough through. to get through the game just by going with with the studs. Yes, you you had enough. Yes, this you is did. not like CC blew up. Well, and that's why, in the first inning, and and that's why and that's why by the time the the later show had rolled around, I had gotten my mind around to the point of no, he's only going one ish times through the order because at that point Aaron Boone had said we've got all these guys ready for four innings. We've got all these or we've got all these guys available for two innings each. And so that That's that, eight. Right. And at that point I did the math. I was like, "Oh, he could throw two innings and they're getting him out of there because they've got enough arm to to get through the game." And I I was surprised that they didn't just yank him after getting Mookie Betts out. I was surprised they didn't uh, yank him after hitting Andrew Benintendi. It, none of it made sense. Right, and they couldn't yank him because no one was warming up. And I, I'm with no, you. But after it, but the second inning, no, I know, we're saying the same thing. Yes. After the second inning, get someone warm. Yes. Or it, it, at yeah, least my, at the beginning of that inning. So you, you have options knowing that you're going through five righties in a row, and that's the trouble spot on the lineup. And again, if you know it, Aaron Boone knows it, he should have had someone ready. So yes. we're saying this. I'm yes. not disagreeing with you. I'm just we're we're both fired up about this. Yes, they unacceptable. Should have, they should have had a way to have somebody ready to go, and it was just a, uh, it, it was mismanaged. It was mishandled. Yeah, simply put, mismanaged. And his job is to manage. Manage, by definition. Quite simply, his yes. job, his is, job to manage, is to manage, and he mismanaged. Let's go to the phone lines. Chris in Syracuse kicking us off today on the show. Hey, Chris. How you doing, guys? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, a couple things. First off, Seth, Porcello is a very good pitcher. He went 22-4 and four a couple years ago and won the Cy Young. Uh, also, you're not giving any credit to Boston. They actually won the game. We both the said they were the, the better did not team. Lose them. We both said they were the better team. Okay. Last but not least, so far, Seth, since Friday's show, you have been 0-3 for 3 on your picks. I'm going to start yes, calling you the the dust stuff. That's fine. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I, that's all I had to say, guys. Okay. Appreciate checking in, Chris. Uh, I, I am wrong on a lot of picks. I don't really care if I'm wrong on picks. This it is this yeah. This is not <laughs> this is not about the Red Sox. The Red Sox are, the, are better the better team. team. Yes. They were the best team in the American League, best team in baseball. You know, during the regular season, uh, they deserve to win the series. And so, if if I'm coming across, or if Seth is coming across as, is, you know, it, let's let's clear the record, you know, set the record straight in that, clear the air on that. They were the better team. This is not about the Red Sox. What frustrates me is that this this felt like, when you look back, this felt like a lopsided series. I don't think these two teams are, are as far apart as this series felt. Right. I and think so the Red, there has to be a reason for that. I think the Red Sox are the better team. They were over the course of 162 games. I didn't think they were that much of a better team. No. Um, I know we need to take a break, but saying that Rick Porcello is anything too much more than a league average pitcher is is a ridiculous statement. Again, and I'll stand by the fact that it's it's definitely easier to pitch when you have the lead, and and the the Red Sox starters by and lar- by and large had the luxury of pitching with the lead, and the and the Yankee bats were quiet, and that's what happens when you're in a do or die situation, and you fall behind. We do have to take a break. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. 
Stephen Seth back with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation, 315-437-7644. As we go back to the phone lines, Stan in the van up next on the show. Hey, Stan. Hey, guys. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of the game last night, but I saw that brutal third inning, and I I guess I'm just thinking out loud. I'm wondering uh, where Larry Rothschild fits in in all of this, if if he's if he's like in lockstep with Boone and just they they both agree on the decisions, he's been around a while. He's been I think uh, coaching for many years. But I just uh, thinking what was going on in his head when he witnessed what went on the last two nights. So that's a fair point, a fair question, and and I don't know the answer to that. My guess is they're probably on the same page, but ultimately the decision comes down to the manager yeah ultimately it comes down to the manager but I I think that's an interesting point and they made this point on the broadcast last night uh when in regards to Alex Cora and then Alex Cora has a really experienced bench coach in uh in you know Ron Renneke who was a former manager and who's been around you know Major League Baseball for a, a really long time and has been in a lot of clubhouses where Alex Cora really has just been a coach for one year and then you know took over the manager job um, whereas Aaron Boone, they didn't really surround him with experienced coaches, and that's you know that's that's a failure on the front of the on the part of the front office. The one guy who is really experienced is Larry Rothschild, who uh, you know has been coaching in the major leagues, uh, what forever uh, since 1986. He's been coaching in the major leagues for nearly 30 years nonstop, um, and you know he's been a manager, he's been anything and everything in in this league. Um, He's the one guy who's really experienced, and um, I, I would think that he would be the guy that was being leaned on. But I, I think that that could be questioned at at certain points. Um, you know, when when you look at how this season played out and some of the mistakes that were made. And again, ultimately, it comes down to the manager to make that decision, yes, it does. and he could take in all the information he wants, and you know, get all the advice he wants from you know various coaches and you know, front office and so on and so forth. But during the game. In that spot, it's it's his decision, and that's why it bothers me maybe more than anything that he didn't have anybody ready because, again, you can debate when the right time to pull the trigger is and get a guy out there, but what you can't debate is that you should have someone ready, especially after what happened the night before, and he didn't have anybody ready because I agree he, he waited until he waited and then reacted instead of being proactive and having a plan in case. And, yes. and hopefully he'll learn from this. We thought he learned from it two nights ago. He obviously did not. Hopefully, now that he's got all offseason to think about it, he will learn from it and say, you know what, next time I'm in this position, I'll do it differently. Right. I think that that's what you have to hope is the takeaway here. I think you've got to hope that's the reaction. You've got to hope that, um, you know, I, I, that bullpen management, as I believe it is, is a thing that you learn, that you get more comfortable with. And he's a first-year manager. He had literally never been in an MLB dugout or clubhouse other than as a player. So I think that that's the one thing that you can't really um, – you can't really teach. You can't really get a gauge for before you actually have to go out and do it. And you know what? Aaron Boone's biggest weakness as a manager all season long through 162 games plus the playoffs was bullpen management. I, I mean, it's it's really obvious. He was much better with the the players than Joe Girardi was. And and the reason why Joe Girardi got fired is because he was uh, you know cold and and hard and rugged and and wasn't you know didn't have good. It, you know, interpersonal skills, or at least that's all the reports. Rough bedside manner, right. yes. as they say, with yes. a doctor, that's, right? That's a very good way of saying it. And, you know, it, it seems fairly obvious that Aaron Boone was really good at that stuff. He wasn't good at managing a bullpen. 
All right, back to the phone lines. John and Syracuse up next on the show. Hey, John. I have a, a question and a concern. Okay. The question is, is there a history between Hernandez and CC? Because there is the way he was calling the balls and strikes. There were at least six batters that CC faced where his strike zone was at least according to the K box. You can take that for what it's worth on the TV, but for what that K box was showing and what Hernandez was calling, it didn't jive. So I can understand CC's frustration. Is there a history there? Yeah, there is. Uh, I mean, Angel Hernandez has been a, a big league umpire for a while. Uh, there was an incident earlier in the year where CC yelled at him on the field. Yeah, they, there's some stuff going on there. So you don't think that played into the thought of Boone to keep CC out there that maybe eventually Hernandez would call the strike zone the way the strike zone ought to be called? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think I, I saw over the course of the night that there were six strikes that. Uh, there were six balls that should have been strikes. There was two strikes that should have been balls called for the Yankees, and the number for the Red Sox was about the same. Um, I, I don't think that's what it was. I, I think I think the zone was kind of all over the place, and you know you, you just kind of dealt with it. I think they just left him in too long. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you're right. He 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 managed that game as if it was April instead of October. He probably should have been way more aggressive, and the offense. Stands a great big question mark for next year because uh, they gave two hundred fifty million dollars to a guy who didn't quite bet two hundred. I don't know what to make of Stanton's play. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, and because of Boone's uh, mismanaging of the bullpen, we're kind of giving uh, John Carlos Stanton a, a pass to some degree. Stanton four for eighteen in the series with six strikeouts, including. A strikeout in the biggest spot, bases loaded, nobody mm-hmm. out, and uh, here's the thing with Giancarlo Stanton. And, and he struck out. Yeah, here's the thing with Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, he's the one guy on this team truly that is an all or nothing guy, right? And, and you could you can paint the rest of the Yankees as that if you want, but it's it's not really accurate, you know. And and even he gets on base seventy percent of the time, uh, seventy points better than you know his batting average. So he's he's you know he's a guy who will get on base uh, as well. Over the course of 162 games, he hit 265 with 38 homers and 100 RBI. You sign up for that in a heartbeat. Um, he had never played in the playoffs before. The big moment found him. He clearly wasn't ready for the big moment, and he started flailing and chasing pitches out of the zone. I, I, that, that's as simple as it gets to me for what Giancarlo Stanton did. He, he had never been in a moment as big as the wild card game, and then after that he had never been in a moment as big as, as game one or two or three or four. And these were the five biggest games of his career, and he was pressing, and he just he couldn't live up to what he needed to do. How many times? How many times have we seen that in sports, though? And Clayton Kershaw struggles a little sure. bit. Alex Rodriguez, Peyton Manning, LeBron James. LeBron James. Early in his career, yeah, people exactly. say, "Oh, he can't win the big one." I mean, exactly. I, I get like it. it. I know what you're so saying. I, I get it. I think that that I don't. I don't think, generally speaking, the offense is the problem. I really don't. They they hit more home runs than anybody in history. They had the best walk rate in in baseball. They had the most sack flies in in the major leagues. They do a lot of different things. I don't think the offense was the problem. I think in in total, you're not getting enough innings out of your starting pitching. And as great as a bullpen is, if you're not getting enough quality innings out of your starting pitching to hand them a lead, you're going to be in some trouble. I think two. Big problems 
were brought to the forefront. Number one, I think Aaron Boone and his inexperience. I think we've talked yep. about that the last couple of days. And number two, it goes back to something we discussed, you know, yesterday and the day before. That if you name any one of the starters in the Yankees rotation and you say, how do you feel about this guy tonight in a do-or-die game, whether it's Severino on the mound or Tanaka or CC or Jay Happ or whoever it may be, the answer, I think, is the same. We brought this up on the show. that the, the answer is, I don't know. I don't really know what to expect. Exactly. And that is a problem. That's what I was getting at. That's essentially what I mean when I say the starting pitching thing. So I, I think that you've got to go out of your Brian Cashman and pick up two starting pitchers, whoever they are. Trade trade Miguel Andujar for, for a starting pitcher because you don't love his glove at third base. Go sign a starting pitcher like Patrick Corbin. You know, fi- figure out that way of building your team. Um, you know, you... you and, and and I think that you can make the, this team better. Again, they won a hundred games this year. This me, is this is this is far from a broken team. No, no, and I'm not saying that. But no, let me let aren't. me put it this way: What did we keep saying about Game Five in Boston? Well, you know, if they could force a Game Five, well, then they're going to have to go up against Chris Sale. There is not that guy on the Yankees where no, you say, not. "Well, you know, the Yankees advantage Yankees because you know it's set up so this guy's going to pitch games one, four, and seven of the you know the World Series or whatever the case may be." If they get, you know what you know what I'm saying. I know exactly what you, you're talking you about. You don't have that guy that other teams do. Where you say, "Well." You know, this guy is standing in the way. They just they don't have that right now. And between that and the inexperience of, of Aaron Boone, you know, managing in the playoffs, I think those two things in particular, aside from the offense, obviously the offense wasn't great, but I'm with you. I don't point to the offense. I don't say, you know, this is Stanton's fault because he was 0 for 4 last night, struck out with the bases loaded. No, I, I don't look at it as an offensive problem. I look at this as Aaron Boone mismanaged, especially games three and four. And and the starting pitching just is not good enough. The bullpen is fantastic, but you have to be able to but, get there. Well, and you have to use it. You have to use it properly, and they used yes. it too late, two nights in a row. Yes, but even even when you do use it, you've got to be able to get there to make it worthwhile. And and that that to your point is the they got there too late, two nights in a row. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Let's take another time out. Back after this. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth, back with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. You wouldn't know it by the way we came back from break, but it is time for today's business. Seth, unbelievable. We, look, we Our had a very important conversation going on. It's today's business. Sorry to interrupt Orange your social Nation. life. I was trying to figure out where the salespeople were. I walked outside to go talk to Tommy, and it was just quiet. There was nobody there. I was very confused. And now my entrance is all ruined. Speaking of salespeople, it's today's business. It's brought to you by Grossman oh, Sagamore CPAs. Do you like what I did there? Well done. Uh, sure. Tommy's in. Uh, Tommy, what do you have for us today? So I've mentioned Joe Girard now a couple of times in my uh, update, but I think it, it, he's worth a, a larger conversation here. He he would be a, a big get for Syracuse. Yes, he's only a four-star prospect, not even in a, in a top 100 for ESPN, but to get the New York all-time scoring leader, is it, I think is a big deal for Syracuse and something that, they have to. They have to achieve. I think that when you're the premier New York basketball program, it would be nice to get the best exactly. New York basketball players. I know that you're not always looking to get all of the best New York basketball players, um, 
But when you are and when you lock in on one that you want, I think that it would be nice to be able to get that. Exactly. And I think that's the point that you were trying to make. Is Correct. Yes. Like Thank you. you are you are the program in New York State for college basketball right now. Yes, Bonaventure's good. Yes, St. John's it's you know, has some history. Though, yeah. But Syracuse is the basketball program in the state right now. So if you've got a kid, especially who's upstate, right? He's in Albany. Um I, I think that's a kid that if you want him, you you really want to go get him. <laughs> you you really want to go and and finish not the deal only there. go get him, get him. You know, like, no, not go after saying. him, but no, no, get no. him. That's what I'm saying. Sure, you, you want to go finish that deal, and you want to yeah. get him. Uh, you know, it doesn't hurt that he's a shooter. You can always use more shooters. Um, you always need that on your team. You always need that in your locker room. Uh, so yeah, I think it would be a really good pickup. He's got three thousand career points. And he still has a year. He still left has a year play. left. He yeah. averaged fifty points a game. I, that's it's unbelievable. Insane. It's, it it is know, insane. How many did you score? In your, did you get to a thousand? I did not. Oh. Uh, I played since my freshman year. Um, varsity. I played varsity since freshman wow. year. I didn't score all that much as a freshman. I was, you know, I was a pass you were an first point guy. guard. Yeah. I was. Yeah. I think I finished you were like with John Stockton. I finished with about nine hundred points. Okay. Um, Do you wish you got those hundreds sprinkled in somewhere? You know what? I don't. I don't care because as I tell everybody, I I got the state title my senior year. That's all that matters. Wow, that's my that's response cool. to that. So, yeah. um, so when anyway, you, in, yeah. in, in, anyway, three thousand points is. An insane amount, and he's still got you know a whole nother season to do, and he averaged fifty points per game. You said a moment ago, uh, Tommy, that they they have to get him. Um, I don't know if they they have to get him. Like they're they're in great position for him. It's it's down to five schools. Syracuse is in the mix. You know, BC's in there. Penn State's in there. He could play both of those. Pl- he could play right away at both of those places. He absolutely could. is. He is he coming to Syracuse and, and starting from day one? When you look at at the guards that they're going to have in this program, and he probably it, wouldn't. Probably wouldn't because not. because he would be he would come in he would come in behind Jalen Carey. Jalen Carey Elijah Hughes uh, Bryson Goodine Bryson Goodine uh, Buddy Bayheim. Buddy Bayheim's here so he, so he would be in the mix there but he's I, I don't think he's starting I think it's hard to say right this second that he's starting over Hughes and Carey sure right so if if he comes here I I don't. I don't know as if he's, you know, he's not starting from day one, most likely. Mm -hmm. Uh, He could at Penn State, certainly. He could at Boston College. He's not doing that at Duke, I wouldn't think. Um, So if it comes down to him and his family, hey, we want him to go somewhere where he can play immediately, then maybe Syracuse isn't the choice. If he wants to go somewhere and say, well, he wants to, to win big, you know, I understand why Duke would be, you know, an exciting option. It's Duke, it's Coach K, and all that. I look at Syracuse though as a place where he could do both. Exactly, he can play a lot, Best and he can win there. a lot. Sure. I mean this this program, I think, is in position to contend for national titles again. And and again, I'm not saying they're going to reel off you know two or three national titles while he's here, but I, I think they are going to be a good program. Like while he's here, if for the next four or five years, whatever it may be, they are going to be a contender and. And I think he could he could come here and, and and play a lot. So I think he could get both here. He could come here. He could win at a high level, and he could play a lot. Whereas if you go to BC or Penn State, you're going to get a lot of playing time, but you might not even make the tournament. I think I think what you're saying is this is a sweet spot. Yeah, it's a it's a sweet spot of sorts. Where yeah. this is the place that he can go and he can go win, and he'll get. 20, 25 minutes a game. Yeah, he might get 35 minutes, 30, 35 at, at BC. He might get 30, 35 at Penn State. But those teams aren't going to the NCAA tournament. And the longer tournament he's here, I mean, out. he's going to turn into, 
I was going to say like Trevor Cooney, but like I, you know, I don't want to say that's well, see, the kind of player. Well, see, but he is. here's the thing. Here's the problem. The the real the comparison that 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 would be the easy one to make is, as the four year program guy combo guard who who shoots the Jerry three McNamara. is Jerry McNamara, and that's what killed Trevor Cooney. So like, right. let's not do that. And yeah. I and I can't go there because <laughs> Jerry is an all time great, and, right. and Joe Girard might turn into that, but you can't say he's that's, like Jerry McNamara. That's what I'm saying. Let's not do that this time. Yeah, please. But like you said, you don't know if he's a must for Syracuse, but for the structure It'd of the be a team, great yeah, for the structure of the team, he's not a must need. But it would be a really good fit, and as a New York exactly. State kid and New York's biggest program, that's, that's where I become. Way. I think they've got a great shot. I yeah. really do. I I think, and this is just me saying, like what my personal feeling is. Like I think they've got a great shot. I think they do. So we'll see what happens. Seven o'clock Sunday, seven Sunday night. Uh, right out, after near football. the Albany area, we yep. can all tune into Joe Girard. Right between a little. between the the, the late games and the Sunday night game, perfect time. We are uh, we are getting some sound from our affiliate in in Albany. So on News Channel Nine that night at eleven, you can you can hear from Joe Girard, um, and we'll see what his decision is. But I think there's a good, real good shot that that he ends up wearing orange. We'll see what he does. Uh, a restaurant chain in Wisconsin has. Not they haven't started the promotion this year. They actually started the promotion in the 1950s when it was the Milwaukee Braves. But if the Milwaukee Brewers now win 12 games in a row, they give out free burgers. Oh man! So one Get more game, game, one one more game. If they win game one, free burgers. The last time they did this was in 1987. They gave out 170 thousand burgers Whoa. for people that waited in line for hours. <laughs> That's amazing, and this, so is, this so, is so. So this is obviously a one day only thing. Yes. My my big question is: Does this does this keep going? Like, if you get to thirteen, 14, I don't think so. Fifteen, or is it just like, hey, once you win twelve, well, you're coming in. Reset your, back to zero. Right, right. Reset back I to think zero, so. or like when you get back to fourteen, do they do it again? I wouldn't think they could handle that. So I think it's I only think twelve. So. They have this printed out on their napkins: twelve wins in a row for Brewers free burgers. So this is this, like a big thing for them. I love that this hasn't happened in thirty years. Thirty years, the Brewers haven't. That's had unbelievable. A twelve-game winning streak. There have been a couple of things like this. I think there was one that was really notable um, with Houston last year, where after the hurricane. Uh, a mattress, uh, obviously, like a furniture store, did great business, right? Like they, they, you know, they sold a lot of stuff because a lot of people had a lot of damage and needed to, you know, redecorate their house. And then they did a promotion that was like, if, uh, if the Astros win, you get your money back. And it was just like, okay. And then they won, and the mattress store had to like give back all of this money to all these people who had bought, uh, bought stuff. It's burgers, so obviously a little bit cheaper. But this ends up being great promotion for your company, right? Like, yeah, you take a hit, and and your pocket, you know, gets a little uh, a, a a little lighter. But but that ends up being fantastic promotion for you, especially if they lose, because you get the promotion, and then you don't have and to give the lose. free burgers. Right. So, <laughs> so I'm sure that they're rooting for the Brewers to lose Game Twelve. And they've had about a week to prepare now, too. So they're they're behind the scenes working on preparing all of this. What and, does that and mean, preparing? Like, how do you prepare for a hundred and seventy thousand burgers? You buy and enough if, meat. But for what all if they this? lose? You're not going to sell no, them. Yeah, seventy thousand. That's what the issue is. They're they're prepping yeah. all this for a huge. I don't know. It sounds like it might. I'm be on where a customer's coming. If they were owned by Aaron Boone, he would wait and then oh, see, and then after on. Game Twelve, then well, he no, would make the call. Here's the thing, too here's soon, the thing, Steve. Here's the thing that I would guess they do. Come on. Here's the thing I would guess they do. They they when it gets to the twelfth win they say okay, uh you know on this date, 
right? That's t- isn't that typically how that goes? They'll say, okay, like a week on, from now. Yeah, it sounds like, like on, they're doing on it. this date. That's when we're doing. You know, that's when we're honoring the thing. You come in, you get. A that burger. sounds like a. That's somebody who plans ahead. Yeah, that's somebody who you know. That's typically what they. I feel like has that's a plan. typically. I feel like it's typically what like these food places do. Like when they when the the Taco Bell thing right during the World Series when they're like, steal yeah, base, get a taco. It's not like hey tomorrow. It's it's like you know a, certain, it, a couple it, of week a week later. It's like you know three days from now. Give our give our places enough time to get inundated. With Aaron people. Boone again would wait and say, oh, the oh. Brewers just won their twelfth game. What do we do now? Then he would figure it out. We should do a promotion. I'm for them salty about what happened last night. Yeah, that's I very am. mean of you. you. So you're saying Aaron Boone would they, he he would be managing the restaurant? The the Brewers would win their twelfth game and be like, you know what? We should do something to honor them winning twelve games in a row. He wouldn't even have it. He wouldn't have a plan about when <laughs> no. they were going to do this free burger thing. He, he would, would just, just pick an arbitrary number of when to celebrate and then do it. Yeah. He, He'd he, call the meat company afterwards. After uh, what are we going to do now? Yes. Right, exactly. Well, he want to have. Get, he want to warn them beforehand. After the game, let's get the let's get our distributor on the phone. Yes, after the game. I need a deal. Oh, I'm salty about what you, happened last you night. Really are Tommy. We got to run. That's today's business. Look ahead to 2019 with Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Remain focused with today's business on helping clients prosper by providing comprehensive accounting, auditing, tax planning, and preparation services. Visit GSACPAs.com. Quick break. Back after this on ESPN Radio.